1: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. On this episode, we have... Lila Rose with us. She is the founder of Live Action. Uh, Check out the Lila Rose podcast and also her book is Fighting for Life. Ms. Rose, we live in uh, interesting times. A lot of good stuff going on. A lot of bad stuff going on. I'm going to talk to you about all of it today. Thanks for making the time for us.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: So, let's start with uh, the Dodgers. I'm not a sports guy. Um, I played sports. I like sports. I I am somebody who in my older age now no longer wishes to give any money or time to professional sports because, well, a whole bunch of reasons. I'm sure you can guess, and we could get into some other time. Uh, but even within the I-don't-care-about-sports realm, occasionally something comes up, and I go, wow. <laughs> so now we do have to talk about this. So the, tell us about who the Dodgers invited, disinvited, and then reinvited for their Pride Night celebration and what the stance is right now of at least one player and how this whole thing is playing out.
3: Yeah, of course. So the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence is not a group of lovely nuns or Catholic sisters trying to serve the poor. They're a group of men, drag queens, who dress up as women and commit blasphemous sex acts using crucifixes and rosaries. So there's this extremely anti-Catholic, basically a hate group against Catholics. And this is who the Dodgers, this beloved team, Los Angeles team decided to invite, not just invite to Pride Night Buck, but they chose to give them the community hero award. And so they're saying that they are the community heroes and they need to be awarded in this way. And obviously this caused uproar, Uh, from not just Catholics and not just Christians, but people in general saying this group is specifically mocking Jesus Christ, who's considered God by the leading world's religions. I mean, imagine if this was done to an image of Muhammad. Uh, There was a group of LGBTQ activists who were mocking and committing sex acts on an image of Muhammad. I mean, it would just be an all out, uh, it would be extremely scandalous and contentious. But because it's Christians, it's fair game is kind of what the Dodgers are, are act, behaving as. So anyways, they got disinvited, like you said, and then they got reinvited after a bunch of LGBT groups said, how dare you disinvite this drag queen group? And so now we have uh, continually double down. I mean, the Dodgers have not done anything. They, couldn't, they gave them the award, they're giving them the award. And I think a lot of people are gonna be boycotting future games.
0: Yeah, it seems um, overtly, uh, uh, almost intended to offend uh, for for Catholics. I mean, I've seen some of the video, uh, for example, of someone portraying the crucified Jesus and then having a, a drag queen do a strip tease. I mean, you know, it's this is about as, as offensive or, or blasphemous as, as I think it's could be expected to get, right? I mean, it's about as bad as anybody, I think, can imagine in some ways. But I also want to know, why is being a drag queen something that is now considered brave? Like, what is brave about a man who derives, based on what we knew about psychology, at least for the last 50 years or so, sexual gratification for dressing up as a woman? This is brave why?
3: Right. And why do they need to exhibit their behaviors and sexual dances and provocative dances in front of children at public libraries. You know, why, why is it even a thing that we're talking about drag queen story hours? How did this even enter the conversation? and who was the first person who thought, yeah, what children really need to see is adult men living out their fetishes in front of children to get their approval in our library system. But that's obviously where the debate has gone. And you know the Dodgers doing this. It's like we've created this victim class that if you're a drag queen, you are you you can do and mock anyone. You can be sexual in front of children. You can mock Jesus Christ, and and everyone's supposed to say like, oh, you have the right to do that. It's nonsensical. And I think there's backlash happening against it. I, I do think the Dodgers are going to um, suffer from this in the future. Their reputation is tarnished. Uh, you know, one of their lead players announced on Twitter a few days ago. Well, now we're going to have a Christian family night. (laughs) Um, I forget the name of the player, but, you know, as if to make up for, yeah, we just, you know, spat on your religion and now we're going to celebrate your religion. I don't think anyone should go to that Christian family night, by the way, because the Dodgers have already made clear where they stand. But I don't think long-term this extreme, you can call it wokeism or gender ideology coming from these businesses is going to serve them. I do think, you know, Target had their LGBTQ pride sections in the front of all their stores. They had their tuck friendly bathing suits. I know you've covered this, talked about this tuck friendly bathing suits for
0: we, basically we, targeting. We, a we use a scientific term for this on the Clay and Buck show, Lila. We call it a uh, hot dog hider.
3: Okay. Very scientific of you. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're, they said on the Doctor show. They're not, well, it's it's so crazy because they're saying, oh, it's not, it's not targeted, right? That, you you get fact-checked, by the way, Buck, if you say that Target is targeting children with these products, like literally the AP fact-checkers are going to go after you on Facebook and say, or on Instagram, oh, that's not what Target did. These weren't targeted towards children. The Pride, it was a Pride onesie for your baby. And the tuck-friendly swimsuits were in a section next to children's gear and they were small they size extra small for the 12 year old boy who thinks he's a girl that target's now encouraging him to hate his body and hate his penis basically so it's just like where did we where did we get here so anyways they're their, wait, target, wait, their market. but so this,
0: this is this is new i got to i got to make sure i get this right my my understanding okay. from reading the news articles was that there were you know hide the the man area stuff for Adults, which I think is is bizarre and twisted in and of itself. But it sounds like you're telling me and I had not heard this from anyone else before that some of the hide demand parts bathing suits were actually geared toward children or could be geared toward children. Is that right?
3: They were, in, they were in sections with children. So right next to the baby onesie and the toddler clothing is a swimsuit, which size extra small would absolutely fit a 12 or 13 year old. And then one of the models wearing this swimsuit looks like a 12 or 13 year old girl, or it could be a boy dressing, you know, presenting as a girl. So this to say, you know, the fact checker is saying that, oh, this is not Target is, you know, it's children's right. over here, adults over here. Target would never target children with these products. It's a total lie. They're targeting children. They're in and among children's products. They use children, child models for the for the garment. Is it an adult sizing? Sure. but pubescent children you know that are going so, so
0: technically but, it's yeah. adult size but obviously a smaller uh, you know a, a child could get the extra small and, and it's near enough that they might just say oh well i'm i i i, I see i see what's going on here but i, I want to ask you the, the deeper question why do they want to do this why are they doing this this is clearly i mean i i have an answer which i'm happy to share with you um but i wanted to know why you think they're doing this because it is clearly you brought up why do they want to have drag queen story or why do they Yeah, okay. What do you think the answer is? Because I think the answer is so disturbing that it's almost hard to speak about out loud, but I think people need to hear it more. What do you think is going on?
3: I think one answer, I think there's a few things going on. One answer is that there's a desperate need. When you are practicing a disordered sexual lifestyle, when you are at war with your body, you have a deep need for acceptance. You're looking for your identity and you want to be you want to find that identity. So you're going to blame when you're at war with yourself. Like if you're someone who has same-sex attraction, you're going to say, well, I'm I'm unhappy because of homophobia. Well, maybe you're unhappy because you're living a lifestyle where you're having sex with other men and you're a man that will lead to psychological and physical unhealth for you down the line. But you want to blame exterior forces. Um, If you're a person who struggles with gender dysphoria, you'll say, well, I struggle with gender dysphoria and I have all of these suicidal issues or I'm depressed or I'm anxious because society won't accept me. No, you're at war with your body and you need to make peace with your body and need medical help for that and psychological help for that. But if you can blame external forces, then you can say that external forces have the responsibility to to support what you're doing to support your your gay marriage or to support your transgender identity and then why wouldn't children have the responsibility as part of society to not be a homophobe or a transphobe you know why shouldn't we say yeah children need to see two men kissing on the street the same the way that they would see their mother and their father or they need to see a man cross-dressing the same way that they see a man or a woman wearing you know their their gender's clothing so it, it the natural consequence of lack of self-acceptance and and war with yourself, wanting society to affirm you because you have this deep psychological unhealth leads to forcing the children to get in line. I mean, I think that is a kind of complex, but that is the ultimate answer. I think there's also satanic stuff happening. It's spiritual. Um, I think there's sexual revolution consequences for that, but I think the core reason is you need the children to ultimately affirm you to continue to live in this depravity because otherwise you're, you're forever at war with yourself. You're looking for that ultimate affirmation.
0: Also, it's, uh, I've been telling people this and I think that this is hard for people to process, uh, but the position, I know you know this, but it bears repeating for everybody who's, who's listening, the position of the left is not that you can become a transgender woman. It's that you are a woman when you are trans in every way which is the most blatant and obvious kind of lie because in no way are you actually a woman growing out your hair long, painting your fingernails. And, you know, I I point out to everybody that Dylan Mulvaney, Dylan Mulvaney does not act like a woman. Dylan Mulvaney acts like a caricature of a 14-year-old girl. And not even a good version of a 14-year-old girl, a caricature of a 14-year-old girl. Dylan Mulvaney is, I think, in his 20s. Um, But this all, I think, has, has been growing for a long time. And part of it, as I see it, is the... Uh, on a political level and, a, and really a, a mass psychosis level, if they can get you to affirm the most obvious untruth, then they can get you to say anything. And I think uh, this is very common in the Soviet Union, that if you can debase people's, and they did, it's not just the Soviet Union, they do this in North Korea, they do this, uh, they did this in Maoist China, debase the most obvious things that you know to be true and you are inherently destabilized and more uh, able to be molded in other areas, right? Because if you can't, say the most blatant and obvious things that you can observe yourself, well, then when someone else in authority tells you, well, this is true, you no longer have the psychological defenses to say, no, it's not, because you've effectively been uh, co-opted into a massive lie. And then without getting too deep into it, the point you made about something um, satanic or or demonic about this, uh, what could be more demonic than convincing children to generally mutilate themselves for the rest of their lives? Um, It's hard to think of things. And that there are doctors and MDs pushing this and that there is a desire to make this a standard. I mean, I truly believe I I used to say this, uh, Lila, that it's only a matter of time before you'll be considered a bigot as a as a straight male. If you don't find a trans woman attractive, which you've probably seen this, this this comes up. They they try. They'll float a trial balloon about this. Oh, but what do you mean? That's you're bigoted, you're transphobic. And also the doctors getting the gender of the baby wrong. well, that's just the, that is the end result of the overall ideology, which is that this is somehow both entirely changeable and yet we're supposed to believe that it is ingrained from birth, right? Which right. is completely <laughs> incoherent, it makes no sense.
3: Right. It's, it's totally incoherent and it doesn't make sense, but you know, you see the, the catastrophe. I interviewed Chloe Cole recently and I, I know you familiar with her, but she's 19 years old and when, 18 years old when she was 15, they give this perfectly healthy girl a double mastectomy because she's having gender identity issues and they say, well, now you're a boy. And then she detransitions at 16 and now she's telling her story. And now they're saying, you know, they're mad at her for how dare you violate the cult. It's, it's a basically gender ideology is a cult. And if you don't believe the, the, the things that are totally illogical and you don't stay and do what everyone else is doing, and you break free of it, then they give you the cult treatment, which is we hate you forever. I mean, we're you're, you're going to completely reject you. And that's what they've done to Chloe. But, you know, the other thing that's so crazy about this, Buck, is that if a child can consent to changing his or her gender, like if a child can decide at five years old that they're not a boy, they're a girl, and that they can decide to take puberty blockers and hormone blockers and then, you know, get, you know, bottom surgery or chest surgery, which is basically their reproductive parts uh, and retooling them to be a a fake version of the other body's part, you know, the the opposite sex's part. If a child can consent to all of that, why can't a child consent to having sex? Right? Like why, why can't a child have sex? And I think that's where this gender ideology takes you is that it basically says children are sexual Children ha- have autonomy and they should get be- to make sexual choices. So why can't you be okay with pedophilia? And, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's this thing of, oh, well, th- these conservatives or those, those anti-trans people, they're just so scared of pedophilia. They, they see pedophiles everywhere. Yeah, because pedophiles are everywhere. There are pedophiles in our country. There always have been. And are we going to give them legal cover for their perversion? or are we gonna protect children? And that's what it does come down to at its core. What Target is doing, they are groomers. What these businesses are doing to promote pride products and transgender social contagion to kids, they are grooming kids for sexual exposure and activity, and it should be criminalized. And that's why obviously so many people are upset about it. And Target's share has dropped $10 billion in the last few weeks. Since they launched- Do you think it's gonna keep going? I think so. If people like you and me keep speaking on it, and if people like you and maybe not, maybe not you, but definitely like me, stop shopping there. I don't know if you, loved, you used to love no, Target. My, my would,
0: wife, <laughs> I've had to tell her no more Target. She, she used to love shopping at Target. Uh, this is a very common thing. So um, let, yeah, let's come back in a second. I, I want to talk Jean to you Los about... Carly Jean Los Angeles. What, what did <laughs> you
3: say? Brand. Carly Jean Los Angeles is a pro-life brand. They have Target-like clothes. There, oh. There's alternatives.
0: Okay, good to know. Um. So well, I'm going to speak to you about a pro-life, pro-life uh, issues in a second. But, you know, first off, just from our sponsor here, Chalk, nowhere is it written you shouldn't feel the top of your game every day. That's what Chalk is all about, C-H-O-Q. Why shouldn't you feel fantastic every day, full of energy, ready to take on the world? Chalk produces high-quality nutritional supplements, none more popular than the male vitality stack. This combination of everyday supplements is designed to supply your body with the nutrients to fuel energy, focus, and stamina. The leading all-natural ingredient has been researched to show serious improvement in testosterone in a guy's body, up some 20% in just three months' time. You'll feel it as it happens, this increase in testosterone, which is a great driver of energy and focus. When you decide it's time for you to double down on your energy and focus, find your way to Chalk online. That's C-H-O-Q dot com. There and there only save 35% off the Chalk subscription you choose for life when you use my name, Buck, in your purchase process. That's chalk, dot com. Use promo code buck for 35% off in that process. So, so Lala, I have to ask you, I, I know a number. I mean, I, I work with uh, some pro-life organizations have currently worked with one and have with others in the past. I have a number of friends who have been very vocal in the pro-life movement on uh, in media for years now. And I, this is what I'm hearing from a lot of them. Okay. If. We don't back off six-week abortion bans everywhere, basically. We're going to lose every state, and we're going to lose the presidential election in 2024. You know, every state election, I should say. And, And we'll lose the presidential election in 2024. This is a loser. We can't win with it. What do you say to that?
3: Totally inaccurate. It's completely inaccurate. Look at Florida. Governor DeSantis signs into law the heartbeat bill. He had 54, this is a purple state, DeSantis so had 54% of Democrats in Florida support the heartbeat law. In Texas, Governor Abbott signs the heartbeat law into, uh, sends the heartbeat bill into law. He wins his reelection in a, in a increasingly moving towards purple state. So you had, and then Governor DeSantis won in the land side. But you did a national poll. So there's a national poll that was done by Rasmussen. It found that 46% of Americans nationally, of voting Americans, Democrat and Republican, 46% said they wanted the heartbeat law versus only 43% said that they opposed it. So this idea that Americans hate the heartbeat law is a complete lie. And in fact, like in Florida, even the Democrats at majority support the heartbeat law. So what I think that really is about, Buck, is there's a narrative coming from pro-abortion people and some pro-life people that are just scared and not and being cowards, quite frankly, not being leaders, who are saying we're not even going to try. Roe v. Wade was overruled. Now we can enact abortion bans. We're not even going to try because oh, we're going to lose. No, you're going to win like Governor DeSantis win. You're going to win like uh, Governor Abbott won. If you're smart about it if you're smart about how you message on it if you communicate well if you're proud of your position instead of being scared and like running from it every time and then one other thing to note you know the midterms people said well the pro-life movement did so poorly in the midterm so many candidates did poorly well some candidates did poorly some pro-life candidates did wonderfully like governor DeSantis. but the point is in the midterms we were outspent the pro-life side was outspent they said up to 30 up to 40 dollars to one dollar between 30 and $40 to every $1 because the Republican Party didn't even put the money in. They didn't even try. So yeah, if you run, run from the issue, if you don't message on the issue, and if you won't spend any money to support life, you shouldn't complain when your pro-life candidate who wasn't even very pro-life loses. I mean, Governor or, um, uh, Oz, you know, Senate candidate Oz in Pennsylvania, he was, Dr. Oz, he was a horrible candidate. He was hardly pro-life and they're like, oh, he lost. So, you know, the, the Republicans are losing because of uh, Roe v Wade being overturned. That's not what happened. Uh, we have to change the narrative on it because it's just, it's just not, this is not the case.
0: What do you think about, uh, president Trump's position uh, that it should be left up entirely to the states and the federal government doesn't have a role?
3: I think it's just flat out false. I mean, think about it this way. What's the number one goal. What's the number one purpose of the government of the federal government and it's to secure the common defense, but it's secure our constitutional rights and what are our constitutional rights the first right is what life if you don't have life you don't have any other rights if you have a state who's not enforcing their homicide laws to they're they're, they're purposely leaving out a whole group of people so the preborn children preborn children are human beings just like you and me they should have equal protection under the law like you and me under the 14th amendment life doesn't begin at birth it begins when the human life begins at conception so these children deserve legal protection if a state like california decides to not only not protect children in the womb, but to give lethal power, to franchise lethal power to the medical community to kill children for a profit, which is what they're doing, the federal government absolutely has a role. How could you say they don't? The federal government's job is to protect the most fundamental human right. And if the states aren't doing it, they need to step in. So I think there should be a federal abortion ban. And I think that there's a lot of things the executive branch can do even without legislation. I mean, if, if we have a president in office who's pro life, they can ban the sale of abortion drugs. I mean, that's interstate commerce right there. That's easy to do. The FDA could just say we're not going to be distributing these lethal drugs to be used as abortions. So there's some very concrete things that both the legislature federally and the executive branch can and should do.
0: I want to ask you? Uh, excuse me. I want to ask you about feminism in a second, which I'm sure we'll have some uh, very interesting. You'll have some okay. very interesting insi- <laughs> insights on in just a second. We'll get to that in a moment, Lila. But, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, everybody, I got to interview an amazing uh, market analyst, stock market analyst, and especially made video presentation. The funny thing is the analyst goes by the name Mason Sexton. If you rec- recognize the last name, it's because, well, it's my last name because he's my dad. We talked about a premise very important to him, the great disruption of 2023. You see, my dad's been in the stock market for over 50 years. He predicted the stock market crash in of 1987 on television, the top of the market before the COVID crash, and then spent many years advising hedge funds behind the scenes quietly. But now he's seeing signs of a massive disruption. He's come forward with a major market prediction. He sees these banks floundering, real estate losing its value, inflation causing sticker shock. My dad's going to tell you why most analysts are wrong about a coming lost decade in stocks and why what's coming could be much, much worse. But if you know what to do, you can still protect your wealth and profit. He's made his first major prediction in 30 years. If you missed it, go check out the video at Disruption. 2023.com. That's disruption 2023.com. Um Lila, are you a are you a millennial? May I ask you that? I feel like you're young enough. And I'm a, are you Gen Z? I'm
3: a millennial, probably. You're a millennial too.
0: Okay. <laughs> you're you're a millennial as well. I'm an old millennial, gray beard millennial. So I, you know, I, I feel like I'm I'm not hip to like what the cool kids say, but I have some idea of what uh, folks in, in their thirties are uh, are thinking and, and how they're living their lives. And I just wonder when's it going to come across more that the promises of whatever you want to call it, pro, uh, postmodernist feminism um, lead to deep misery and unhappiness. And I think this is reflected in honestly, a lot of the data now about uh, well, women in their twenties and thirties, but also all the way down to teenage girls who are having the worst mental health crisis since I think they've been able to measure this kind of stuff with national polls. I mean, is is there a narrative that is to blame here that needs to be adjusted?
3: There is. And yes, you can blame modern, and I consider it, you know, what you could call it, I think you said postmodern feminism. Yeah, I mean, which you know, they call it a lot of
0: different stuff. things. but
3: Yeah, what does feminism mean today? To most people it means the bad stuff, which is pro-sexual promiscuity, women are at war with their motherhood, women are pro-abortion. I mean, all of that is nonsense and is the opposite, the antith- antithesis of valuing what it means to be a woman. What, it, what makes women different from men? We have the unique ability to be mothers. Men can be fathers. Do we champion motherhood in women? Do we champion uh, marriage in women, which I think most women deeply want, a committed, lifelong relationship as opposed to hookup culture? Yeah, that, that would be the pro-woman message. But I think so many young girls are miserable. I mean, during COVID, the anxiety rate spiked for young girls. I think it's one out of every three young girls have considered suicide. I mean, it's insane. And I remember being a young girl and going through hard times and wondering, what's my identity you know, in my teen years? And it's even worse for girls today because I didn't have you know the, the, the messages young girls today. It has gotten so much worse in the last decade and a half that even when I was, it was that age. So what's the source of it? Social media is huge where the constant comparison, the constant need to be perfect, look perfect, I think that's part of it. A lack of connectivity to real world people, deep friendships, friendships and bring so much meaning in someone's life. Um, broken families is part of it, Buck. I mean, so many people, more people are growing up without an intact family than not. You know, So many people don't know what a, a real marriage even looks like. No wonder they don't wanna get married. No wonder so many are giving up on, on love when marriages are broken everywhere. But I do think gender ideology and abortion ideology is especially pernicious for young girls because we talked about Chloe Cole earlier. She's this great example of what young girls suffer. When you hit puberty as a young girl, you're questioning your identity, you're you're questioning your body. If you're told your body is wrong or you're told in order for you to be a woman, you have to be like a Kardashian, and be uber sexy and basically sexually commoditize yourself. If that's what womanhood is, right? No wonder so many girls are like I'm out. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want this. I don't this this feels bad. This feels wrong. So you're creating this perfect cesspool of misery for girls between the internet, between the beauty and sex standards and between the sexual revolution saying that, you know, marriage and motherhood don't matter anymore. No wonder girls are miserable. What's the solution? We talk about it on my podcast a lot. I know you care about this, but it's values. It's returning to morality. It's returning to values and a positive view of women and men, of motherhood and and fatherhood and of marriage. So in explaining why these things are good and worth fighting for instead of we should give up on them.
0: And I'm sure you've, you've come across this, but on some of these, uh, I, I, I don't know if they'd call, I don't know what they'd really, kind of these alpha male podcasts or some of these influencers, who will talk about, because uh, you did the Whatever podcast recently, which I saw, which you had some some viral moments on that. But you'll come across, uh, in general, guys on the internet who will say, they use this term, I actually learned this term from my friend, Jenadiyah Bila. I don't know if you know her, but uh, she talked about body count once. And I, I'm legitimately, I was like, Jenadiyah, when I was helping special operations guys in Iraq and Afghanistan, like, body count was a very, you know, that's what I thought of as the body count. Like, how many people died in the, you know, in the strike, basically. Um, But body count, obviously, in the context of dating is a very, very different thing, which is how many people somebody has slept with. And I feel like these guys who say you have to take that into account and there's a very, um, you know, they're like, oh, I I would never, you know, if, if a woman has slept with more than three men or something, they're getting at something that is somewhat true, but they're taking the wrong approach, to it, which is just cycle through as many women as you can until you happen to find one who hasn't slept with a lot of guys instead of. Women sleeping with a lot of guys because the culture pressures them to do that is doing a lot of damage to women, to other human beings that has long term psychological impacts. Right. I mean, this is so there's they're picking up on something, but it's like they're dying. I mean, they're diagnosing a problem, but their approach to it is wrong.
3: Well, it's more than wrong there. It's like pot calls the kettle black and it's like you guys are both doing the wrong thing here. You're, if your solution to women are promiscuous is to be promiscuous yourself, good luck with that. Like, you know, the, you're know, you not gonna find eternal happiness that way. And so I think the solution is men have to stand up and be better men and women have to stand up and be better women. You know, I, I think sometimes I hear in culture this blaming game of like, it's the women's fault or it's the men's fault. And I think we're all at fault. I think every single one of us are at fault. In terms of if we're participating in hookup culture if we are participating in hatred and division between the sexes then we we have a responsibility to stop and the message for young women out there is a very similar message to young men which is pursue virtue you know virtue is this like forgotten word but what is virtue it's self-control it's respect Virtue is even modesty, modesty not just of dress, but of behavior. Uh, It's understanding that what are you aiming for? What makes people most happy? This is what gets so crazy, Buck, is when you look at the social data, all the social data says that people who are monogamous, who get married, who stay married, are the happiest and healthiest, sexually and physically, in, in every aspect they are the most economically successful. And that's not just because they come from a rich background, it's for both different socioeconomic levels. Regardless, if you are monogamous and you seek and and keep an intact family, you will have better outcomes because you're going to be protected from all of the nightmares that come from uh, cheating, dishonesty, breaking up your family, children out of wedlock, STIs, Uh, all of the stress, economic stresses of that, of having multiple households, you're protected from those things. And again, there's still mistakes that can be made in a monogamous marriage, of course, but the point is at large, it's better for society. So that's the message, right? And then the other message too is you are actually more likely to divorce if you live together before marriage. Most people don't even know this. They think if you live together before marriage, you're actually like somehow protected from messing up the marriage because you really know you want to marry this person. Actually, if you test drive the car, as you say, before getting, uh, you know, buying the car, you're actually more likely to divorce. Couples that are chased, you know, abstinent before marriage and then get married are more likely to stay married. So more people hear this and understand why I think it's going to change our culture on this.
0: I'm going to give you a a closing. Uh, I like to look for a a point of of optimism where whenever we close, we'll get to that in one second, uh, just because we've talked about some some heavy stuff here. Um, important stuff, but heavy stuff. But uh, and this is one of these transitions. This is like a bad habit from Radio Lila. You know what else is important? Having great towels. And my friends at My Pillow have phenomenal towel set: two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths. Typically retailing for ninety nine ninety eight. For a limited time, you can get this set on clearance for twenty five dollars with my name as the promo code Buck. Look, if you have have old towels in your house, they don't. Uh, absorb very much anymore, they don't feel good you gotta change them out really every two years for sure, so even if you have some hand towels folks, have some bath towels, get some fresh ones, you're gonna be so happy, treat yourself it's $25, an amazing price clearance price is $25, when you go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener special square, and enter promo code BUCK, that's promo code B-U-C-K alright, Lila Rose last word for you, everyone should check out the Lila Rose podcast she is, uh talking about all the, a lot of the things we've touched on today and a whole lot more. And it's good to hear a young lady uh, espousing a traditional value of morality and virtue so eloquently. What makes you optimistic?
3: What makes me optimistic is I think a lot of people are waking up. I see, I mean, just the comments. I mean, I'm sure you see these too, but comments from, from people saying, you know, they're, they're not even religious, they're not Christian or Catholic or anything, but this makes a lot of sense. I get DMS from people saying, oh, my gosh, I thought that I had to sleep with my boyfriend because that's what everyone said you do. But I don't want to do that anymore. I want to I want to save sex for marriage. I mean, people are making these decisions. So, you know, people are looking for happiness. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for solutions. And I think a lot of the things we're talking about, our value, our values are a solution to what a lot of people are longing for. So I'm hopeful that there's cultural revival happening and excited to yeah, be a part of it.
0: Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at t2t.org.